Well, we still haven't heard from the premier football program in the Big Ten on what's happening with expansion. What does Ohio State think about the addition of USC and UCLA and what it means for their dominance in the conference? Plus, divisions may be gone soon in the Big Ten, so what's coming next? Could it be pods? And if so, what pods do we want to see? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Big Ten, Jay Stevens, Nate Dickinson here with you. We're talking about the Buckeyes' perspective from things here as this realignment issue is still very active, and this is the first time we've talked to Jay about it since the news broke. So, Jay, just as Ohio State here, there's implications for everyone in this conference, of course, but there's only one football team that is consistently contending for the college football playoff year in and year out. It's your Ohio State Buckeyes. What is your initial take, or I guess two weeks in now take, on USC and UCLA coming into this conference? I think it helps the Buckeyes. I think it's big for the Big Ten as a whole, and the Big Ten getting two schools, a brand in USC, which is one of the biggest brands in the sport, and then UCLA, which isn't it's just something just to laugh at either. And so you have two big brands coming to your conference, which is boosting you up. And with the thought that expansion is going to happen to the playoff, you're going to probably get more teams into the playoff than you probably would have if you would have stayed at the 14 teams that are in, currently in the conference. From the Ohio State side of it, I think it helps Ohio State. You're not only looked at a team, not looked at looked at as a team that's playing Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, but then if you're not playing Wisconsin or Iowa, you really have a cakewalk throughout the entire Big Ten regular season. Going out to L.A. will ultimately help Ohio State recruiting. Well, Ohio State still can recruit guys from that side of the country, especially Southern California. You're still going to be able to go out there, and then you're going to have recruits that live there not have to travel to Columbus. They can literally go to the game and see you there at the L.A. Coliseum or in the Rose Bowl Stadium and watch you play those games. So it's a good move for Ohio State, and it's a beneficial one for them. It's also it, it brings more competition to the schedule, helps them in recruiting, but ultimately it does help the overall health of the Big Ten on the football side of things. Well, one of the first thoughts that I had gone to was recruiting, and not that it would hurt Ohio State. Ohio State will do fine, but that you're bringing in two schools here, particularly USC, who might be able to compete with the Buckeyes on that recruiting trail if things turn around, at least for them, and go back up. But it hasn't been that way before. There hasn't really been a team out there who's been able to recruit consistently with Ohio State year in and year out. Do you feel like a USC could be that school? Yeah, I mean USC is one of the rare schools in the country that doesn't have to get on the air, doesn't have to get out of their state to go ahead and recruit elite talent. You have teams down, I know Georgia's one of them, um, South Florida, Miami can, but it's really rare to find a school that doesn't have to go outside of I mean, even outside of like their geographical region, a two-hour, three-hour drive where they currently are to recruit guys. USC is one of them. And so from the recruiting aspect of things, it's going to make things tougher for the Buckeyes. Because now USC might venture into the Midwest, into the state of Ohio and say, well, we weren't going there before. How about we try and do things now, recruit guys over here. Ohio State really has the state of Ohio on lock. But now it adds more competition for the Buckeyes 
in the state of Ohio because USC is like, well, we got we can get elite skill guys. Well, we can get good linebackers. What about some linemen that are in the state of Ohio? Let's get them as well. And so I think it's beneficial for actually both sides. But um, I think overall it's a great thing for the Buckeyes who have been able to recruit guys out there in that part of the country. It just allows them to go out there and recruit more guys in that area, especially the state of California, which produces a lot, a lot of elite talent every single year. What about on the football field, Jay? What, what kind of threat do you feel like these two programs pose to the Ohio State dominance? Well, Nate, I recently went and looked up the series history between USC and Ohio State and UCLA and Ohio State. USC, I believe, wins. They're currently ahead in the series history, 13-10-1. I believe that you, the UCLA series is tied for 4-1. The Buckeyes have not played the Trojans since, I think, 2017 was in a bowl game. Prior to that, I believe, was in 2009. They had a home-and-home series in 08 and 09. When the Buckeyes went out to LA Coliseum, I watched like a one-hour condensed version of that game just literally yesterday, and it was no contest. It was really Brian Cushing on the defense for USC, Joe McKnight in the backfield, Mark Sanchez, a quarterback. USC just really just ran right over them. I think in the fourth quarter – at one point, it was like 35 to three. Trojans just ro- ro- went and rolled over them. And so, on the football field, you may say, Jay, well, USC is trash. You know, USC is a good football team, and they are historically beat the Buckeyes. There was a stretch during in, in the Rose Bowl, I believe, I believe in the 70s, they played four or five times in an eight year span. And the Trojans really held their own. That was kind of the end of year celebration. Winner of the Big Ten, winner of the Pac-10, went to play in the Rose Bowl. Buckeyes and Trojans had that kind of head-to-head matchup. People look at USC nowadays and say, well, they're not good. For some reason, when they play the Buckeyes, they have the upper hand in those matchups, except for the most recent one. Um, Well, most recently, they weren't that good at all. Um, Weren't good at Ohio State's side. So I think it's going to be a whole lot tougher than many Buckeye fans think it will be. I do think that when you have Lincoln Riley out there who is able to put together a phenomenal offense and be able to develop quarterbacks very, very quickly, I think this is going to be something we get. Hopefully we get a 10 year run of Lincoln Riley, Ryan day head to head. If not every year, every other year, I would love that collision course. And let's just say they don't, if they don't play one year, they're playing the big 10 championship, which might ultimately be in LA. I, I'm here for that. I'm here for those type of things. I think it's going to be tougher. I think the US, UCLA thing is going to be tougher as well because UCLA is not a not a lower-tier Big Ten program brand of football. They're not the lower 10. If you want to say in Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana, that's not UCLA. They can hold their own. And if they played in the Big Ten this year, it will be a tougher contest for the Buckeyes and for other schools inside the Big Ten that many people think. So I think it's a tough – I, I welcome competition. The Buckeyes desperately need competition, more competition in the Big Ten. And so I think it's great for those two, those schools out West. It's going to help Ohio State. And when it comes down to the playoff conversation at the end of the year, the committee's going, the committee will look at the Big Ten and say, well, we know what they have been. You bring in the Bruins and the Trojans, it makes them better. And we have to respect what they do in the Big Ten and respect Ohio State's dominance if the Ohio State continues to dominate the conference in the way that they have been while trying to put together the seeding and the bracket for the playoff at the end of the year. Today's episode is brought to you in part by LinkedIn. Now you already know about LinkedIn. I know that it's the 
biggest professional networking site in all of the world. It has more than 810 million people for you to access if you post your job on LinkedIn Jobs. Now, you probably already have a LinkedIn account, but maybe you haven't quite used exactly their jobs platform to try and find yourself a new gig, career, anything like that. But it is the most expansive network, just like LinkedIn, on how to get your job filled or to find a job as well. Again, a network of more than 810 million people to get in contact with if you have a job to give. I got this job by talking to people on LinkedIn. You know that it's great already, so try their jobs platform and see if you can take a step up in your career, change careers entirely, do what you always dreamed of doing, anything like that. You can take a look over, of course, for free at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster if you're a place looking for employees. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. Terms and conditions apply. Go a little more into that because that's something I thought too, is that the big knock when Ohio State's dominating everyone is that a lot of the times the Big Ten doesn't have the teams to put up against the Buckeyes. And it's all about, okay, so who have you played? You bring in these two teams. It's obvious the Big Ten gets deeper, but does it change things on such a big scale that like you're not saying it's the SEC now with that kind of depth, but how much more respect do you get by adding two programs who quite frankly have not been up in the last few years? You get a lot of a lot more respect. I mean, I'm going to say some names now. If these fan bases will probably be listening and be like, "Well, we don't want to leave the Big Ten, guys. You guys really aren't helping us in football, so things might happen." If you took out Rutgers and Illinois, and you brought in USC and UCLA, the, the conference gets stronger. You you eliminate two schools. You stay at 14. Your scheduling doesn't change. You still you you alter the divisions, which ultimately this would make the Big Ten West stronger. Of course, Rutgers in the East, you may want to do something else with the uh, geographic regions, but it makes the Big Ten West stronger. It does make things better. It does make things better for the Buckeyes. And if I'm a committee member and I am trying to look at these these two schools, no, the Big Ten will not be the SEC. Like The, the SEC, SEC is different has been different. They have done a phenomenal job of branding their football, promoting their brand of football. And honestly, their culture helps build up what happens on the football field every single Saturday. So that's one thing. But the Big Ten's already ahead of the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. And so now you're saying, well, the Big Ten's not the SEC, but it's still an okay conference, not the strongest conference, but a somewhat strong conference. But the records can be kind of misleading because, well, the schools, some of the schools are bad. You add in these brands, it makes the conference stronger as a whole. And the committee committee members have to recognize and understand and acknowledge verbally and in these, in these private um, meetings, when they put these brackets together, the big 10 not what it used to be. USC and UCLA. Yes. They have not been what they used to be, especially USC. But these are still two good football teams, football programs, and adding them to your conference makes you stronger. And ultimately, it might boost Ohio State up. Let's just say they're number five. They have one loss at the end of the season. Um, And then the final week, they win the Big Ten Conference Championship game, still have one loss. But then the committee members are looking at it and saying, well, all of a sudden, Ohio State played 
USC in the Coliseum. UCLA came on the came to uh, Columbus, Ohio State won that game. That's going to make Ohio State's strength of schedule stronger. So I think in the grand scheme of things in, in playoff picture, I do think it helps the Buckeyes. I think it helps the conference. And ultimately, we talk about how the SEC should probably get two teams in the playoff at the end of the year. There might be a conversation, Nate, that at some point in time, the Big Ten deserves and should get two teams in the playoff, even if it's a 14 playoff, simply because the Bruins and the Trojans make the Big Ten Conference a lot stronger than it currently is. That's really what decides what the best conference is, I guess, in every given year. Who is that conference that's possibly having two teams in there? I don't think the Big Ten's quite there or close to yet being able to compete with what the SEC does, but we'll see what ends up happening. You, you mentioned getting rid of teams. That's not something I think happens right away, no. but once we get a few years down the road here, there is going to be, I think, that conversation of why are these teams just grandfathered in and getting the share of this money also when we're trying to bring in elite programs? Maybe they bring in a Notre Dame or an Oregon or somebody else too. Big Ten's adding marquee names. I mean, do I don't know what it deal is with contracts with schools and stuff like that and how all that works. But I mean, how quickly do you feel like we could see people starting to have the conversation of, okay, should we have to get rid of teams again? Not now. It's all about adding teams now. So I do think the conversation might be coming up within the next two years, but I think it's a football only conversation. And I say that because Rutgers in basketball, they make the big 10 better Illinois in basketball. They make the Big Ten better. Northwestern's not the most consistent program, but they are a tough out when they're playing basketball. So you're looking at a lot of these schools that even in, in on foot on the football field, they don't really do much for you. But you have some teams in other schools in other sports that make your conference stronger. I venture to say there are some schools that aren't good on in football, but are good at wrestling, or maybe they're good at ice hockey, or maybe they're good at track and field. And so we get so wrapped up in the football conversation, which ultimately is deciding and dictating conference realignment. Even if Notre Dame comes to the Big Ten, the big picture look is the football team, football brand, what they bring. Do they keep their NBC contract being the only football team that has a TV deal with a network station? So those are things there. But there's so many other sports that go into conference realignment, the big two football and basketball. As bad as some of the Big Ten schools are on the football field, consistently bad. Not just one year bad or one year flop. Literally, consistently bad. They help you on the basketball court, which is the other money maker there for your school. And so, as much as I say get rid of, say it a little sarcastically, get rid of Illinois or an Indiana or a Rutgers or Maryland in a football conversation, I think it's different when you look at basketball and the other sports. And the Big Ten, I think, is going to at some point realize we have to make sure we're making money in the two big sports so the other sports can survive. There was a conversation in an article I didn't read, just saw the headline, discussing how UCLA was in debt and them moving to the Big Ten financially helps them not cut sports. And so you think about traveling to L.A. travel multiple times a year. That's going to be another financial hardship, a financial burden for these schools yeah, they're getting more money via the te uh, television deals and contracts, but you're putting out a whole lot more money as well in travel expenses and things of that nature. And so you have to make sure 
that your money-making sports are making you money, and you're doing that in a good way. Football's one thing. USC and UCLA make the Big Ten basketball regular season, men's-wise, a whole lot better than it currently is. Rutgers, good at basketball. Illinois, good at basketball. Indiana, a basketball school. Purdue just sold out another all their season tickets. They sold them out once again. These are a basketball conference. And so I do think as we talk about the eliminating of conferences, or teams out of conferences, yes, it's something okay to talk about and, and maybe a talking point to some. I say it kind of sarcastically because I don't think the Big Ten is going to cut these schools because of the other money-making sport in the Big Ten, basketball. They help them generate a lot of money during those months. It's just kind of unfortunate that when it comes to the NC2A tournament, these schools get bounced very quickly, assuming that if they go deeper into the tournament, that's more money for the conference, which makes everybody else a whole lot happier. I mean, there's been talk about how little the NCA has been active in all of this. I, I think if there is some sort of phasing out of the NCAA, we might end up seeing, I think, just football separate entirely from the rest of its uh, the school sports just kind of across the country as all of this starts to happen. But then what happens to all the other non-revenue sports and all that, it's Still a huge, long conversation to have. We can't get into all of it right now. Jay Stevens on to get a little bit of the Buckeyes perspective of things as the premier football program in this conference. He says it's a good thing for the Buckeyes, just like it is for the Big Ten. I can't say I disagree. Everybody's getting richer here. Jay, thank you for joining us here as always. Nate's fun time. I love what's going on in college football. Love a lot of it. Don't like a lot of it. But this conversation was a lot of fun. I'm glad I could join you once again. Today's show is brought to you in part by betonline.net. It's the place to go for anything that you need as far as sports or sports gambling information. If you want to know the latest on lines and odds, maybe strikeout props or run lines on things in the baseball world as that really heats up here in July. Anything that you could possibly want to know or want to learn, you can find out over at BetOnline. Make sure you've got the brains before you put your money on anything that you want to bet on. Bet online, where the game starts. We're going to end the show with a back end of the conversation we had with Jacob Rude last week. We talked to him about expansion last week, went a little bit long. So we have this last little segment we did on the potential pods coming to the Big Ten. There's been big talk of getting rid of divisions, what format would conferences go to, and one of the new trending topics has been pods, maybe four four-team pods, if the Big Ten is at least at 16 teams here when expansion comes. So what could those pods look like? Who would be with who in those groups of four? We're breaking it all down with Jacob right here. Which is just most important. Yeah. But again... Before we get to any expansion, there's pods possibly coming. Divisions are pretty much done, I think, Jacob. But pods are coming maybe to the Big Ten, and it's a fun way to try to organize the now 16 teams into four groups of four and try and figure out what works out best and gets us the best games that we all want to see and stuff like that. And again, just gives us some stuff to speculate about as we try to figure out what the new Big Ten looks like Let's talk about it here now with Jake. Now, it's a little confusing. I told you beforehand, I don't know. Did you make a list? Because I have lists. Go for it. I, I kind of in my head did a little bit, but uh, it's it's hard to kind of, there's a lot of ways you can kind of group these together, I think, outside of kind of putting USC and UCLA with the two other Western most schools. 
All right. Well, here, do you, do you have something you can write with me with? I want to try and yeah, at least yeah. get this on. Yeah, let's get let's at least try and figure this out together. So I think that if you're trying to figure out what's most likely, you have to start with what has to happen. So you have at least the way I took it, you have your Michigan, Ohio State pod. You have your USC, UCLA pod. And then you have your Minnesota, Wisconsin and Iowa pod. And then things can kind of get wherever you want. I, I put in my fourth pod, Indiana and Purdue. Indiana, Purdue could go into one of the other pods with the USC, US, UCLA, or Michigan or Ohio State. But I think that's what has to happen. You, you have to have, if you're going four by four here, you have to have those three in the West staying there, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. You have to have USC and UCLA there. You have to have Michigan, Ohio State there. And you have to have Indiana and Purdue together, if not by themselves. I think that's what has to, has to happen. And then you probably have to have Michigan State in there with Michigan and Ohio State too. Outside of that, I see no ties that need to be had with Illinois, with Northwestern, with Rutgers, uh, with Maryland. And then where things get interesting is where do you put Penn State and Nebraska? So where do you put Penn State and Nebraska, I guess, is first. And that's an interesting one because you can't really put them with Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, because then that's just like a super pod, basically. Well, I have, I have my fun pods list also, but we're doing the real pods first. <laughs> yeah, so in that sense, I think you would have to put them with IU and Purdue. Um, okay. And then I'm trying mm, – you would put – Nebraska, I would think, with USC and UCLA. My, I, I'm trying to think. I don't imagine you want UCLA and UCLA or USC and UCLA traveling a ton. So in this scenario, I think I would just put Illinois in their pot as well because that's probably the next closest school. Uh, so then you have, is it Northwestern? Rutgers and Maryland for the last three. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you could kind of order those however you wanted. Basically, I, I don't really have a, any kind of preference. Rutgers and Maryland, I don't think have really been in the Big Ten enough to really create any kind of big rivalries. Uh, maybe you put Northwestern with uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that group, um, put Maryland with IU, Purdue, and Penn State, and then put uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Rutgers, I guess. Whoever kind of gets into that pod is, is kind of screwed regardless. But uh, in this scenario, I think that's probably the way I would do it. But is that very close to what you had? Yeah. So I organized mine uh, as far as Indiana or Purdue. I put them by themselves and I set them up geographically, uh, Northwestern and Illinois, put all yeah. of those together. It becomes the most boring pod, uh, but it, <laughs> it does make it the kind of most sense geographically pod. And I, I do think that, I mean, obviously Indiana and Purdue care about playing each other, but I do think there, there's a, a little bit more of what, what's been made of the history now, I guess, between those schools in Illinois and the schools in Indiana, they're right next to each other. Uh, mm -hmm. Penn State and Nebraska, I put together with USC and UCLA, just so those schools uh, 
I mean, if we're talking realistically, those schools are going to be wanting to play teams that are high profile every year if they're joining this conference. Big 10, I think, is going to want to send their good teams out to the West Coast. So if you put those two names, Penn State and Nebraska, out there, I think that works. You mentioned Penn State's pretty far away. So I think you could switch like an Illinois and a Penn State, spread out that wealth a little bit, give Penn State to Indiana and Purdue, let Illinois come over, and then you have USC and Illinois playing, or USC and USCLA playing Illinois and Nebraska, which isn't all that great on paper right now. And then in the West, you kind of have to keep it again the same. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and then I threw Maryland in there too. Uh, those three schools, again, just have to be together. And with the way it works out, you get one of those throwaways. The, the throwaways really are Maryland, Rutgers, Northwestern, and again, Illinois, like we said. Those are the schools that really you could put them up against anyone and they're not going to be like, oh, how are we not playing this team? That, that just doesn't happen with those teams, quite frankly. But before we go, I have my fun list as well. And I think this is how we get the best games every year without really caring that much about uh, what everybody has to say about it. So first off is, I called it the primetime division. You get your Michigan, Ohio State, USC, UCLA. Boom, yeah, that easy. one was easy. Yeah. Easy. Get the best games with the best teams or the biggest names playing each other all the time. The two new ones out there, you get Michigan and Ohio State playing in the Coliseum every year or once every other year. It's what everybody wants to see. It's what everybody is envisioning when you're picturing this new Big Ten. Uh, the next division I just called the Big Ten West. Don't have to rename it. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and then I put Michigan State in there because it would be more fun to have Michigan State in there if they're not going to be with Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, next division, I didn't know what to call it. I put like traditions division because it has like schools that have like the historically old programs that have been around forever and have been playing football. But to be quite honest, that's all they've got going for them as of late. Penn State's in there, but then you have Nebraska, Indiana, and Purdue. Mm -hmm. And then you have what I've labeled the other division, which has our four leftovers, Maryland, Northwestern, Rutgers, and Illinois, which again is the reason why we can't have this other division because we can't have them playing nobody every year. But it would be, again, I think that's the most fun that we could have with it. Whatever they end up doing, they're going to try to put Ohio State and Michigan against USC and UCLA just as much as possible, whatever, whether it's pods or. Well, that's going to be that. I think I don't think that means they have to be in the same thing. Though. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. I think, schedule those games to happen at least early on in this alignment. One, to make sure everyone's making their money right off the bat. But two, because they can't yeah i was gonna say not specifically putting them in the same pod i i if they do pods i would bet almost certainly that they wouldn't all be together in the same one but like you said you you would schedule out of pod games i guess a weird way of saying that out of pod games and they're gonna put ohio state michigan against those two ucla usc but uh i mean it that would be fun to see the four of them playing every year that's kind of what you want when it comes to uh these super conferences that are eventually going to be but yeah it kind of leaves the rest of the conference out to dry a little bit um with especially the the others pod which i'm totally fine calling them that uh but your maryland Rutgers, i think northwestern illinois like that grouping is kind of left out to dry but 
I mean, the allure to all of this is just simply those Michigan, Ohio State, uh, UCLA, and USC games. Seeing uh, Michigan and Ohio State in the Rose Bowl uh, under the lights—that—that's what—that's the big draw for all this. So, whether they're in the same pod, same division, whatever it is, I would lay like all the money I had that they're going to play each other at least the first season that they're in the big 10. And as you said, probably the first couple of seasons, just so everybody sees it a bunch and everybody gets their money. And then maybe they go to something more regular and more uh, that rotates more something like that, but it's going to happen a lot early on. I'd imagine. Jacob Roots, the host of Locked on Hoosiers every single weekday during the season and at least three times a week during the offseason here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Of course, he's with us once a week as well to talk about whatever's going on in the Big Ten. And I'm sure plenty will go on until we talk next, Jake. It's always good to have you on and pick your brain about what you think about everything, all the hectic stuff that's happening. It's a busy time in the Big Ten and uh, not typically the case in July, but (laughs) thanks to conference realignment, it's as busy as ever. That's all for today's episode of Locked On Big Ten. Thank you again to Jay Stevens for joining the program. Thank you to Jacob Prude for joining the program last week and hearing some more of it here today to talk pods. As always, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Make us your first listen every day. We're on YouTube too, at Locked On Big Ten. Ten is one zero. Same thing on Twitter, at Locked On Big One Zero. I'm at Nate with Sports. Again, John Garcia Jr., Sports Illustrated joining us here tomorrow right here on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, Nate Dickinson, thanks for listening.